You're listening to Red Nation Online. Saturday, September 27th, Steve Perry and I'm Ian Clark. We're back from BMO Field, and there's still life in this TFC side as they came back to defeat the Portland Timbers 3-2. Nick Hagelin went from goat to glory as he headed in two goals, and Michael Bradley secured the winner in the dying minutes. We discussed the life that's back in this all-but-written-off season, if Jermaine Defoe will still play or even make a difference, and also look at what the new BMO Field means for those of us in the stands. All this and more in the next 40 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. It's funny because we had it was a couple weeks back where we were like, we came back from the game and I just said we're speechless and I feel like today was kind of the same, but in a different way. Yeah, very different. Um, in that I don't think... Even last week I was saying it's going to be different against Portland. Like I was thinking that this is the game where, you know, we realize that everything is shite and it, and it looked that way even at the half, right? The half we were down by two yeah. and it just felt like well, this game I would... isn't winnable, it's not even pointable. People, I would laugh at. Uh, I laughed at someone who's in our section saying uh, that we were going to tie. We we're going to come back and tie at half. I laughed. I just said, "That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy talk." Well, I think I, going in this game, and even of course, yeah, first your prediction. Half, what was your prediction? Well, I predicted a loss. I mean, I had like mentally checked out on the on the result, and I think I don't think the prediction I put out there or, or the thoughts we had from last week coming to this one. Like, strip away whatever, you know, we're, we're supporters, we're fans, you have hope on the team. I mean... 2-1 was a hopeful prediction <laughs> for Portland. At, for, yeah, <laughs> at, at one point in the game, it definitely seemed like it. I was like, oh, geez, I didn't give them enough credit. But when you look at our home form since we came back from the World Cup break, you know, especially in the last month... Uh, it's been know, a slide in, mostly, right? Yeah, in and around when, when Nelson was fired, just the way that we've been playing at home... And for large stretches of this game, of course, I mean, it was all there for everyone to see that uh, a loss was, was in the cards, and it didn't look like there could be something that could have changed that. But something happened, obviously, at the half where they came out with a completely different attitude and mentality and stuck in there to uh, come out with the win. And we even got to see all the goals. They were all in our half. Every oh, goal yeah. was in our half. Yeah, and you know what? Did you know? Like that was the first thing actually I, I, when the game kicked off was except that for the I'm, one that was called offside. Yeah, I made that comment where at the start of the game it was Toronto was going to be attacking north and then the other way, and then they switched at the last second. So I said to the to Emily who was with me at the game, and I said that's funny because usually it's the other way around. Usually we're watching Toronto attack the south end in the second half, and I said, well, those, I guess we'll see how, how this goes. And uh, I don't know what the uh, if there's some sort of like environmental strategy at a 1 a.m. kickoff to be 
playing from a specific end, but... Uh, yeah, there doesn't seem to be any win factor. There didn't seem to be any factor. In fact, we were talking about uh, how this was like a game that was sort of nullified by the environment, mostly, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Whereas uh, that's some, that has played a factor into a, quite a few games this year. So wind or something, rain. There's been lots of rain this year. Anyway, no. Yeah. Conditions were perfect today. Yeah. And... Uh, Mind, mind you, that didn't stop Bradley from falling at one point, one key point, and Joe, I think Gilberto fell. He just lost his uh, footing. There's, it happened I know a couple times about. in the second half, yeah. right? Where key plays and our players are just falling to the ground because of something on the pitch. Yeah, just like came out from under them. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Well, this the, this week there was a, a meeting about the uh, what's going to be happening with the stadium. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, which uh, a few people attended in our section and were saying it was basically a non-meeting. There was like a, a sort of a media, a media session from 2 to 4, and then from 4 to 6 it was for like the ticket holders. Right. Uh, for which there was no presentation given. There was just a bunch of pictures. So the media got the presentation, I think. No one else did. And then um, they were told at 6.30 to fuck off because... Uh, they were supposed to talk to their reps who were supposed to be there, but not, there was very few reps there. And anyway, oh really? Uh, the, from what uh, was gathered out of that, there was no information. There was no idea about where the split's going to be on the east side, where that bank's going to go up, whether we're sitting on the top half or the bottom half. We don't know. Uh, that we uh, have very little. The only thing, the only information was that there's going to be a tunnel. That's uh, and there's going to be a concourse on our side for more retail space. That's always important, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, I was listening to the CBC this morning um, for Day 6. I don't know if you know that program, but Brent Banbury hosted it, and he, was, uh, he did a piece on the NFL and about how all these stadiums are funded by public taxpayers, including our own BMO field. And uh, the only recipient of the funds seems to be a private ownership group, which is similar to ours. Right. And uh, I was just thinking about how much bullshit it is. Like, just, anyway, I, not to, that I want to support Rob Ford in any way, because he was the only one who voted against it. <laughs> it's <laughs> funny that way. But, you know, maybe he had a point. <laughs> well, you know, interesting enough that, uh, th- you know, th- this was the week that this the announcement and more images came out of what the stadium was going to look like, and they had the plans of what's going to happen when. But they don't know which, they, like we thought, maybe both ends are going to go out on wheels that question was posed they didn't have an answer and then they said sort of after the fact maybe it'll be the south end like they haven't even thought about the, an end zone being in there right uh they definitely said that there's not reversible pitch so it's not going to be a grass that flips it's uh lined on one side lined on the other it's still going to be that hybrid grass right uh so i imagine that they're going to be lining it and there's you're going to be seeing football lines and soccer lines well i know in ottawa they have a they have a surface where you give them 24 hours like this this like you know grass zamboni goes on and, and clears off the lines oh is that and, right and so john they just spray paint the and, they, and john was who was at the game last week was saying you know as long as we get the, the 24 hours you can't see it it actually works okay so that's maybe one thing to go on is that ottawa does it uh, anyway as well but uh the thing that, that I wanted, takes us away from the game, right? But I wanted the, the one way I actually wanted to reconnect us back into the game was, of course, I'm thinking about this new stadium. I'm thinking about season tickets. Yeah, and we haven't heard yet because I've, I get uh, communications from Vancouver and the other teams, and they're starting to put out their season ticket renewals. And Toronto isn't because I have a feeling they're waiting to see how the season plays out 
to kind of determine what they can get what away with. Yeah, what the prices it can be, and then figuring it out with the new stadium. Well, I, I figure they're going to try and justify a price hike, right? With a new stadium. Oh, sure. Yeah, they want to. They spent so much money this year on these players. They have to recoup some money. But they're not spending any. They're not spending that much money on the the stadium, right? They're getting at least some kind of a reimbursement for it. I'm not totally sure how it goes. But I mean, it's. I think there's two phases, and it, I think it comes in around a hundred million dollars. They make loads of money, though. Yeah, it's ridiculous, really. Right. Um, so then, that's. I mean, that's obviously where I wanted to. I've tried to circle back in. Is they that? But they can't. They can't really ask for anything if they don't make the playoffs. Absolutely not. Even you know what? I'd even go as far as say if we get in the playoffs and get bumped out in that first round, that first wild card game, I would be. I'd be pretty annoyed if they went. If they decided to get us on a price bump because this season has not been. What they promised. No. I mean, especially when you talk about uh, season tickets from a, from a home game perspective. I mean, today was great, but how often have we had... It's rare. I think I can think of three three games where we were like, wow, what a game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The Columbus game, the Houston game, and this game were ones where we fought back and won games, and we were on our feet at the, at the 90th minute really excited to have seen something. Yeah, that was something new. Like, people were whistling at the end and uh, on their feet, and I just was like, wow. I haven't seen that in a while in the right. stadium, right? Yeah, and it goes just goes to what I, we I don't say. think I've seen that this year. <sighs> I, I, I don't think I've seen it at all this year. Yeah. Anyway. It's been rare. I also didn't hear the Dickio sign at the 24th minute. No, because <laughs> you know why? Because everyone, everyone was off by eight minutes. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> because uh, that's how this game kicked off, was literally... Like the first five seconds, the first play of the game, I think it was Bloom slid in with uh, Will Johnson, and I, I don't actually I don't know what happened, but I uh, you know you have fears they may have broken his leg or something. Yeah, because they put he, on a full leg cast. Yeah, and he was uh, he was not moving, and they, they brought out, out the, a stretcher, yeah, just a gurney or not just a, like a flatboard, right? Yeah, they brought out the whole thing and they took him straight off to the side and out the end, which is probably the exit out to go to that, uh, the main loading dock where probably an ambulance is sitting. Taking you to St. Joe's. Yeah. So that's, uh, I mean, there's a little, I guess, Canadian men's national team perspective. Well, Johnson plays for Canada and <laughs> we, 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 everyone talks about when we're going to see him again. I guess not anytime soon because he hasn't played much in the last year. And I mean, that's this game. Maybe that was an ominous sign. You know, it was an interesting thing to kind of talk about how this, this game started off was I went to a Jays game this week first time in like 15 years and I'm with a real Blue Jays fan and he was kind of saying they're playing the Seattle Mariners and how when a team comes travels that full coast like uh, Toronto they they won three of the four games they almost swept them but the first three games they killed them like 11 to 2 and 15 to 3 and it's just because and his whole thing was you know the science of it is that you're coming from this time zone yeah your body's used to playing at a different time it was like really not much you can do about it and it's, I thought it was funny because Portland's the team that's coming. We look like the team that would have been traveling from the wrong time zone to start this game off. Given the way we played in the first half. Given the way we played in that first half, because out of the gate, I mean, we just looked god awful. Yeah. Like we weren't awake, and, and it was uh, Portland who would have been, you know, back home in Portland. The, most of them probably would have been still up in bed at the time this game kicked Nine off. o'clock, yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah, it's and a three hour difference. Yeah. That, uh, or 10 o'clock, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the, this opening, I mean, when we looked at that starting lineup, there wasn't many changes. But the one thing that I thought was interesting, of course, with Jackson gone, was that Lovitz and Oduro got the start on the wings. And Hagelin played where Henry plays, so he didn't play on the outside on the back line. Justin Morrow played on the outside. That's, that's about it, though. That's not really much to shake up this team, right? No. 
And it's just, it, it's not that much, honestly, not that much different in terms of way that who got the play last week. Unless you look at the first goal that uh, Portland scored where Hagelin tried to do the clearance. And he, and it, it looked like he, uh, you know, he tried to go outside, but normally he would be playing further wide, right? So he probably wouldn't have as many players near him, which in this case was just one player. Right. And uh, so he'd have like a clear pass up to the, up the wing, which he didn't. And put it right into the like the I, the forward played played exceptionally well to uh, to stand in front of it and then get a rebound over to his player. Yeah, that, Addy, I think is the guy. Just went in to put it in a slot at home, right? <laughs> but you know the difference was at that point is that you know we had some I don't know if we had many chances, but the difference was that they like Portland didn't either, and they put them away. Yeah, and they scored uh, twice within like four minutes in that, that first, uh, like, fifth, I guess it was the first 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then we uh, countered with an offside goal from Caldwell. Um, so we were still down, though, 2 nothing. And I just thought, fuck, we look like shit. And we, we were struggling. We're, we're doing all the work, but we're getting nothing out of it. Yeah. And I just felt the front the front end is not really keeping up their end of the bargain of this uh, this team, right? Uh, the back end's doing all the work, and they're looking like shit because the goals are going against them, and they're taking all the heat. And certainly, people were calling for the lineup changes on the back line. They were telling, they were wanting Hagland out. Later on, they wanted Bloom out. Uh, they wanted that whole back line changed. Like everyone was like, change the back line. And I'm like, I don't know what that's going to do because the front line's not doing nothing. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, I need to raise my hand and say guilty as charged because I was definitely talking some pretty heavy smack on Nick Hagelin in that first half. And the difference is that when you make a mistake on the back, it's noticeable. When you make a mistake on the front, it's just like poor luck. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. We'll get him next time kind of thing. Yeah. And you know, one thing that I would maybe it's offer... A double standard. I would right? offer to the way that we're describing this, how this team is set up, and I'm hoping... Now, I'm hoping, even though we won this game, I was hoping if we lost that we would have definitely seen this, was that sort of the tactical approach and the, and the way that we're using Michael Bradley in this team. Because I'm, I'm, I would want to offer up, Steve, how you're saying how the front end's not holding their end of the bargain. And that might be one reason I would suggest is because we have, because Michael Bradley plays so far deep, there really isn't someone that's that link-up guy in the midfield. I, that I, Like if you look at Lovitz, Osorio, and Oduro, who are really good with the ball in their feet, that can then... Push forward, but Asario was being used in that a little bit more today. I saw he get hit and get a few link passes, and he even had a shot on net in the first half. Yeah, it was just wide, and it was like a beautiful chance on net. And you know when he did the same thing again, I think in the second half, people were upset when he didn't actually take the shot. He didn't take the shot, and he made the pass, and we we're like, you can shoot. People have confidence in him shooting. He should just try it more. Right. That's what I think. What I would say is in the the second half, though, we saw that play where when Bradley was allowed to play more far advanced, Mm. you know, he saw, he got Oduro open, right? When we saw that play where Oduro, he he had, I think it was Gilberto on his left, and then there was that hole with Oduro on his right, and he just poked it through the gap there, and he had the shot on goal. Even the fact that we're getting the goals off the set pieces where Bradley's already close enough there, right? Yeah. Like the set piece allows him to come up. And take the shot, and you know Haglin goes from goat boy to glory boy, right? Yeah, no kidding. In seconds, scoring two goals. Yeah, uh, one of them, at least one of them was. I think both of them were offset pieces. Yeah, and then Bradley's goal was a set piece too, right? Yeah. So I mean, and, that's, and I don't even think Haglin ran in front of that. I'm sure he did. There was a play. There was a set piece before that when it was two-two. That Haglin, I think, got called for a foul, and it was like, how is? 
he closed down the cross as well on the corner. That just was like, how is it? Ever, like, everyone else just goes by, and he just happens to always be there yeah. on the end of these. It was crazy. Well, it went from, I guess, the the defense getting sick of uh, waiting for the forwards to put it in to finishing, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, and, you know, those set pieces allow for them to get up, and usually they're taller players, right? So they actually will do better in an aerial challenge. You see, like, players like Adoro back off because he's smaller, even though he's got great flair and skill on the ball. Uh, it's you feel like it's unlikely he's going to get on the end of it. Yeah. So and this worked in our favor today, right? Yeah. So the defense stepped up. It was great. Yeah. I it, think the defense were the heroes of this game. Today. Well, yeah, and I, you know what? I, I want to kind of like just revisit wh- where we came from for them being the heroes because the one thing I thought that was that was an interesting battle in that first half was that off that first goal, the Addy who scored it, and noticing how they had a guy up top who was I would look, look bigger than Caldwell and Hagelin and had good technique and there was a play just shortly after that I think it was he was up against Luke Moore who tried to like physically like pull him down and he shook him off like it was nothing Mm. and this guy just kept going and I was like wow that's a that's a pretty good find to get this 20 I think he's a 22 or 23 year old Nigerian who was in Ukraine I'm not mistaken he was in Ukraine and then he was in Denmark and then Portland picked him up at the end of last season and that seems to be like I, stories like that I find a little more interesting than, you know, we just go out and poach this guy who had a great scoring season in Brazil. It just seems so obvious where it's like this. I would have thought a guy who's not getting heaps of time in in uh, Denmark at Copenhagen, the, whatever work went into trying to like find that guy and bring him in. I'm like, that's, in, that's an interesting story to me. Yeah, and, sure. and to see that guy have success. And it, it, I think one thing we should reiterate on that first half, though, Steve, even though we were down 2-0, I mean... All chances included, if we're fair, it probably could have been 5-2 or 6-2. For Portland. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would say after the 2-0 goal, there was a play where um, Wallace was out wide, and they called him offside, and I'm positive he wasn't offside, and he crossed the ball into Addy again, who was wide open to slot it in. And then Lovitz came in on behind, I think it was Valeri, fouled him from behind in the 18-yard box, and the... And the ref just kind of was like, continue on. I'm like, whoa. Got like two or three lucky calls in a row that really could have just been, that would have been it. Yeah. Game sure. over for yeah. sure. I mean, if, if we didn't think it was game over already, it would it was New England all over again. You know what I mean? Yeah, it should have been. And the other thing that uh, clinched it from uh, something that was more of a revelation for me is that I just don't have any faith in Joe Berto ever scoring. He just is our this year's version of Chad Barrett for me. He's a guy who gets great chances and can't fucking put them in. He just can't put them away. So last week we were saying, okay, mate, we're going to see. We're going to give him. He's going to get a space now with Defoe out. You know, this is uh, where we find out what he has. And I just don't think he's got anything. Honestly, I think, like, next year he'll probably have a great season wherever he plays. <laughs> Not with Toronto, you're, you're, you're alluding to. Yeah, the rest of this season, I think, you know... <laughs> I just think maybe they need to not think about them being on the end of these balls. It's it's tricky because I'm like, I kind of, you know, I'm sitting on the fence because it's like, yeah, you know, he's got, you can see there's the work rate. You see he's got great technique on the ball. Maybe him and Moore should should switch, right? Yeah. Well, that's what someone, remember at the start of the year, like there was this sort of suggestion that when Defoe was playing, maybe Gilberto could lay deep in a number 10 spot, right? Kind of be the attack, like more of a... Well, that's what I thought they were doing. (laughs) <laughs> wasn't it yeah I thought they were, he was going to be the service player yeah I don't know 
And it's just, I wonder if, again, it's like we said the other week where I'm like, I don't know if he's in his best position of strength or if we need to work him into something, change what he, like what he came from into what we need him to be. It's tough to say, and, and I just don't know if, you know, week in and week out, the Gibraltar Moore partnership is the one that's going to yield consistent results. But I don't think it's Wiedemann either. Oh, God, Because no. when Wiedemann came in, he was getting muscled off the ball every time. And... Uh, do you think it's going to be Dero? I don't think it's going to be Dero. No, I think we're going to have to. We're going to have to bring in. I don't think we've got somebody. No, else. I don't think there's someone lying in wait. The only maybe, maybe I would suggest, depending on you know Jordan Hamilton's a young guy out of the academy who they've loaned out to Port in Portugal this season. He did good in the USL Pro. You know, will he be ready by next year? I think it'll be 19 or 20, and he's a big boy. Like he and he's got he's got nose for goal. He scored he scored in that game against Tottenham. So. Maybe, you know what I mean, when you're looking at what are our options, like do we do we try to find the guys that are going to automatically produce or do we, if we're going to struggle, why not let this young kid get his time in at the se- with the senior team and we bet him in and, uh, and, and look for the future. That's the only thing I can think of without signing in some new guys. Okay. Well, seeing as we're looking forward. Yeah. Well, no, we, I want to talk, talk about the play. Okay, go ahead. I, you know what I want to talk about, though? I, want, no, I think one please. thing before getting out of the game, though, I think we should speculate or kind of connect about that halftime because we've talked about this before and how, you know, of course, we started off by saying we, I would never have expected this result. And especially through the period that Ryan Nelson was coach, how many times, I can't count many, if any, where... Well, most second halves were poor, poor games in the first halves, right? to look at them as separate games yeah it didn't seem like he was like the inspirational leader honestly so i yeah uh is vanny a good talker (laughs) or is steve caldwell a good talker yeah or is michael bradley a good like that's something you mentioned on the way out here right the uh maybe the difference in like the last two games caldwell's been in yeah that was something i that i sort of saw a connection was that if i and i know there's a game in the middle but you know, the last, this horrible stretch we've had kind of started after that Houston 4-2 victory where Caldwell went out on injury. And then we don't get another home win until he comes back against Chivas. And then we win again this week. Now, he came back in one game and was injured within 20 minutes and went out, and I think we either tied or lost yeah. that game. Yeah. But I'm, I'm wondering... Penelope's fit, right? Yeah, I mean, you don't want to go overboard, but I, there, is a, there is a correlation, there is a connection that... Our last three home wins, Steve Caldwell has been starting for us. Maybe he gave the uh, the speech at halftime. Yeah, possibly, and maybe he holds he holds those guys. You know, when you look at the back line in some of those games where it's been, uh, I mean, it's been Cravel, Morrow, Hagland, and Henry, or Bradley Orr and Henry, and it's just who's the guy on that back line that's holding everyone accountable? And in Caldwell, wears the armband, right? So I think that's that's there's something there to say that. And we saw last week when Bradley made that poor pass, that call that was all over him. And we saw him today again, just like getting in at people and just the way that he carries himself, I think it keeps that back line in check, which yeah. is something I think that may have been missing for that last month, month and a half. So I want to keep, I want to see how this, this team, how that, that back line holds up, I guess, over these next few games. And I think that's something important. And of course, I mean, he almost scored that goal in the first half. And when Haglund scored, I mean, he's the first one there, putting his arm around him after a god-awful first half. Yeah, for sure. And then when Bradley scores, 
in his face, like cheering him on. It was Caldwell. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. And then when the game was over, those two were side by side, and he was like hand on his head, awesome. like being like great game. And it's just sort of like you know we kind of were like, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah. And uh, I, I guess it's a good thing. Yeah, I guess it never really went amounted to much, really. Right. It didn't. It, to me, it didn't look like, you know, the Caldwell Bradley relationship doesn't look like the Gilberto Defoe relationship. Maybe I'll say it like that. Okay. Where when Gilberto scored that goal against New York, and you know. Defoe's eating that has that grin where he's like, "Well, I look like a fucking idiot right now. I better go give him a pat on that a pat on the back." I think this was more like him re- acknowledging, you know, we're the leaders, and you know, you pulled your weight and pulled this off for us. Yeah. And you know, the other thing I wanted to kind of draw in with that Bradley goal was, you know, a lot of times we sort of speculate and talk about how, you know, what is this team missing? We're missing that number ten. And Dino, who sits in our section, is like, "I would, I wouldn't even care if we brought Amado Guevara back now." We need, you know, we need that that creative attacking player. And I thought it was interesting or funny how I drew back to, I think it was 2009, when Amado Guevara against New England it's had a similar, very similar goal. a very similar free kick. It was a little bit deeper, but it was off on that west side of the stand. And he curled in this, this free kick that it was Rice, who was the keeper of New England then. And it was like, do I stand here for the header? But the ball was perfectly placed to like bounce right on the goal line in the far post. It was the ex- it was carbon copy yeah. in terms of placement and almost distance. And I thought and it was like the guy that we've we've been talking about missing the type of player Bradley's was was that guy in the second half. Well, Bradley channeled him. Yeah. And you know, you know the other thing that I wanted to as like just keep piling it on, Steve. Yeah. Was um, I thought Greg Vanny actually made made effective substitutions. The Rosario came in for Lovitz. Mm-hmm. Who had set up the first goal, and Kyle Becker came in. So what did Dero do? He did. He didn't have a terrible thing. Well, he had that one chance where he was all alone on the far post. That was disappointing. Right. So that was the weirdest thing I've seen because the ball comes all the way across to him in the far post, and then he goes, he switches it back and tries to shoot for the far post on the opposite side. And I was just like, just go for the near post down low. Like it just seems so. <laughs> I don't know. Everyone was saying the same thing. Just go down low. He had two post. things he could have done. He either it was, and I think he didn't know what to do. Do I curl it in far post? Do I blast it home for, or do I lift a little, like a soft um, crossover? Because there was three guys, like they all came at him from Portland, and he had then three Toronto guys sitting far post around the six-yard box, and but none of them made the run for it. No, no, they were watching. <laughs> they were admiring the play, but that that cross. That cross came from, if I'm not mistaken, it was Kyle Becker. Okay. And that was the second one. And I thought he was, a, I thought that was. No, good. Becker came in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, it was yeah, Dero, yeah, Becker, then Weedman. Yeah. And I think Becker came in for Osorio, and then Weedman came in for Oduro, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's totally out. And I thought, um, you know, Dero Zero did fine, and I thought Becker actually did pretty good. I thought his passing was was pretty sharp, and he had some some good plays down there, down the final stretch. But I think the one thing that was encouraging to them, I don't know if, you know, you know I, I actually had belief in that those final minutes. I was like, I think we're going to, I think we're going to. But only those final minutes because right. like, you know, most of us were making fun of how we move the ball up and then we work it back. And it's just like, uh, we don't know what to do when we get go forward. So we just go back. And, you know, the joke, the, the line that everyone was saying was Bendix open. <laughs> He's always open. Yeah. And they used him a few times like that, you know, so it just felt like, uh, I don't know, the team sort of stalls after midfield. 
That's what I've... Because uh, they, they do work everything around, and it's just like, then they go back. <laughs> Why are you going back? Yeah. You don't need to go back. Anyway. No, and that's just like, I think that's a big... I mean, it obviously happened at times in the second half, but we saw it was inversed. I think we saw a lot more intention in the second half than we saw in the first half. I would, but, I, would, but I would say that the goals weren't intentions. I don't think. No, but you. Oh, we didn't talk. We didn't talk about this. So it was a point where how those all these goals happened, Steve, as if this team was has been listening to the podcast, because it was three, four weeks ago. Uh, you know, you kept lamenting how it's like are, we fucking are wasting these corner kicks and set pieces, and all this these opportunities. They're wasted opportunities to get goals, and now these last two games, almost every goal has come from a set piece. Yeah. Interesting. I'd love to take credit for it, but I did. <laughs> well, you can if you want, I suppose. <laughs> but I thought that was, you know, that was an interesting thing that we've seen over these last. And that's, and of course, now the next thing is, that's this is good, but you need you, there still needs to be the balance. I mean, we're talking about these forwards, and they're getting their chances. Well, I don't think you can rely on set pieces, right? I mean, I think that set pieces are uh, are great, but like, you need to have something up front to finish, and that just seems to be again our problem like it's just a seven-year problem we can't find a finisher we can't figure out the chemistry to get our finishing to work our finishing touch doesn't work so you know what what the fuck's going on well like it just seems like it's what the fuck well good the good news is steve is jermaine defoe's be ready for training i have a i am still completely unconvinced that we're ever going to see him at bmo field unless his team unless they have a miraculous victory in l.a and, and there was people in the stands who were just uh, making fun of people wearing Defoe shirts today, right? There's that one guy that where there's that one guy. I don't know if you know, noticed that guy in my section. Okay. Over by our, anyway, he was just uh, berating people with Defoe shirts. Oh, really? Berating them, just yeah, having having a laugh at their expense for sure. Wow. Yeah, and I just felt like uh, people were upset with him for doing that, but I thought. No, I, this would be great if it caught on. People threw their Defoe shirts on the pitch. I mean, I just, that's just the way I, I see it. I would, wouldn't be surprised if he, if he plays some away games. We don't see him at BMO Field, and uh, he gets one last injury before the season is out. And, that's uh, your prediction, how it's yeah. yeah. I would be surprised because I just don't know. Or if, like, if the team starts playing well, like, like say by some crazy miracle they win in L.A. and they come back for this Houston game, and the momentum is there that it's like there's such positive energy right now that it's they can they can bring him back on he can play without too much fear of people shitting all over him yeah because yeah. um, I'm really unconvinced we're, he's going to be back with this team next year I mean if Tim Laiwiki doesn't think so and if Paul Atfield's writing that uh, these texts were happening which is interesting because obviously this week he had his first training sessions and was saying he's committed to the team he's committed to the cause this and that Okay. Like we'll see. Yeah. I still I still like from last week I still hold that I still hold him to that, you know, you're brought here as a marquee player with the experience I think in the expectations to be a leader on the field and off the field and you had a groin injury and you fucked off back to England for like a month when this team is just in dire straits. Yeah. When when they the when the when, when Caldwell is legitimately injured, maybe I'll just say it like that. Uh, when we're do- when we're in desperate need of some kind of leadership to get this team's morale up, and our our one of our biggest names isn't even here. Yeah. 
I'm just like, I, I, I just, there's no way that I think I can come to terms with it and kind of be like, oh, whatever, like, all's forgotten. Yeah, I know. It seems like all the signs are there for him to fuck off. And that's a, that's sort of the thing. I guess let's, let's exiting this game and we look at this team's playoff position. And I also like wanted to connect that maybe just like looking forward because I think the smart thing to do is to, is even at this point, even if we're still fighting for it, to kind of be asking questions of like, we're talking about Gilberto, is he going to be back next year? And making smart decisions. I always felt, Steve, that that last stretch of 2012, when we fired uh, Aaron Venter and Paul Mariner came in and we, anyone who watched that team knew we were, it was fucking over. It was done, right? Like, let's just acknowledge it, accept it, and then let's get this team in a good position for 2013. But we made these, we traded our number one draft pick for Eric Hasley, who played a whopping seven games. You know, our, our, we brought in Freddie Hall, who was not this calibrous league and had Milos Kosic sitting on the bench. And we did all these things with this fake expectation that we we're actually still in it. And it came to me and my thought, it came at the expense of the start of 2013. And I'm kind of like, I know that we're still in it, but I do think that if this team is smart, they'll start considering some things down this stretch. The players who they're going to start and the players who they're not going to start. And say, like, you know, this is a team that we're in the playoff picture, but, you know, we see Kyle Becker and Daniel Lovett as key parts moving forward. So DiRosero is going to come in late, and Jackson's going to come in late, and maybe even Odoro's not going to start, you know? Things like that where it's just like I can... I'm kind of, you know, do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah. Kind of? Well, long-term plan makes sense, but we have uh, we have a company that thinks about the short term, right? They're just worried about next year's season tickets. Fair enough. The, lo- the longer that they can keep us believing, we're in the playoffs. Off-season off is when they'll be thinking about next year, right? Unfortunately. Yeah, and that's and it's like that's think we've always said the same thing about coaches, where it's they wait until January, half the time to bring in their coach when. We see this year after year that whenever that happens, the coach is sitting in preseason and he's got 15 players and he's like, you know, I really wish I had a full whatever to get up ready for this preseason. And Yeah, and not even sure who's going to be trading and who's being traded, who's coming in. It's just, yeah, they don't have... And then they're always... They've inherited last year's problems, right? Yeah, and that's, and that's I guess, where it's going to shake out. And if we look at... And we kind of took a quick peek at what this playoff picture is shaping up like. And I mean, that's just it, right? Is that we are still, after, especially after this game, we have a game in hand. And if that game in hand goes to our favor, I don't think the, the upcoming game, which I'm not mistaken, is against LA. Uh, I don't think anyone realistically sees that as a win. But when you look at the next two home games, which are Houston and Montreal. It's possible. And then when you look at the fact that our final game of the season is against New England, who will likely have the playoff spot all wrapped up by then. You know, they might play a weak team. I didn't think this was going to be a win today. Yeah, right? I thought the wins, the potential wins were Houston and Montreal. And then, as Kamal said last week, we could probably hang our hat on New England because they might already be in the playoffs. And that was, you know, you're looking at, you needed, we need, we're talking about 10 points, but with this win today, that's 12. So... <laughs> Without getting way, way too excited, you know, as it stands right now, you know, we're tied with Columbus on that fifth spot at 40 points. So depending on how the Columbus game, the Philadelphia game plays out, that even the Red Bulls game, 
um, that's going to determine how this next week and two goes and where we end up. So we're not out yet. No. As much as like how this like we've kind of laughed from last week to this week and before this podcast and through the podcast, we're like, yeah, yeah, we are still in it. Surprisingly, from a team that like completely had this season like in, in the palm of their hands for so long, right, sitting in third place with so many games in hand, and then it all just disappearing. But I think we just look at when, when it is every year, from year to year, it's when will we be out? Not when will we be in? It's never when will we be in because yeah. we never make it in. Yeah. So I've I've said it before. It's, You're it's, looking in. I'm looking out. Yeah. And I've all, I've kind of said like this is this season feels like a a bad flashback of like 2009, 2010, where like 2010 we fired our coach in like August, September, but in 2009 we were hanging around until the, like we had the belief until the very last game. Yeah. And that's, I bet you, oh God, here's my next prediction, that it could come down to that New England game where we think it's just going to be, oh, they're going to take it easy. They're not. I hope it doesn't, I hope it doesn't come down to that. Yeah. That would be a really tough one to swallow. That would be a stupid thing to think or yeah. hope for anyway. <laughs> I don't hope for it, that's for sure. Yeah. But you know, we'll leave it on that note, guys. Uh, lives another day. Lives another fight, day. Lives to fight another day. Yeah, so at least, I guess I said as we left the stadium, the one good thing. Aside from the win. Is we're in, well, yeah. Aside from the win, is that because if we lost, I don't give a shit about next weekend's game. I mean, I'll watch it, but with no real engagement, and the same thing in the next home game, I'm not going to be as invested as we are now. So I think that's I think that's at least one good thing. One one other big positive to take away from this win is that that we're going to be engaged for these next few games because every year, this, especially on this podcast, Steve, at this point of the season. Uh, we're just complaining about the front office and whatnot. So yeah, for sure. We'll head out at this point, guys. Uh, beautiful weekend, a beautiful win. Toronto FC still hanging in there in that last playoff spot. We got Steve Perry's on the east side and Sparky's on the west. Catch me at Clark RNO or give me a shout on email at uh, Have Your Say at RedNationOnline.ca. Next weekend against LA Galaxy. See if we hang in there another week. Thanks for listening. Catch you then. Eastside Stand-Up is the only Toronto specific podcast breaking down the game right after it happens. We want you to get involved. Reach out to us on Twitter at RedNationOnline or on email at info at RedNationOnline.ca and share your thoughts on how the Reds did on the pitch today. As well, check out other podcasts on RedNationOnline.ca from the Black Hole and the Gaffer and Hooligan, giving you all the coverage you want on Canadian soccer. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.